Hi guys, we just wanted to reach out before this episode and give you a trigger warning. Um, in this episode, we do discuss a few things such as mental health, including anxiety and depression, um, as well as domestic violence relationships. Um, so please just be aware of those things. And if you have been through any of those things, we wanted to make you aware. Um, if you do need to talk to somebody, please uh, reach out to the national hotline, which is 1-800-273-TALK. Um, and please reach out to um, those around you and for support. And we love you guys. Hello and welcome back to the Antisocial Book Club. Kelsey and I are, again, socially distanced, but still by the powers of the internet, connected. Yes, we're still able to see each other's faces. Yes, but still do this. So anyway... Yes. Welcome back to another great episode, which I'm super excited to talk about. Kelsey, maybe not so much, but we'll get to that later on. Just nervous that people aren't going to like what I have to say, because I know that a lot of people love this book, and so I do want to respect that. Yes. But But you know what? I feel like that's our job, though, because we are reviewers. So, you know, we got to do what we got to do. have more, you know, like questions. That's, that's fair. Supposed to be like, what are we supposed to be getting from this? That's fair. That's what I'm asking. So yeah. So I understand that these people's people love this book, <laughs> and I know if some if someone was talking bad about a book that I loved, I would be probably upset about it. So I just want to put it out there that me maybe not loving it does not mean that you cannot love it. I totally respect that choice for you. Although I do hope that. Well, we'll get to that later. (laughs) Yeah, we'll get to that later. (laughs) Yes. But first, I wanted to talk to you about something. So over the winter break, I did read my first Agatha Christie novel. Yes. On the Orient Express. And I've always wanted to read it. And I finally did. And I loved it. And I posted my review on on our Instagram story. So if anybody don't know about that, we do post book reviews on our Instagram story. So go check it out. Yes, um, follow us on Instagram for sure. Yes, please follow us. We need your validation. Yes. <laughs> and one of our amazing fans, Cynthia, who is honestly our Woo-hoo. fan MVP. Thank you, yes. Cynthia. She was saying that she would like some recommendations for Agatha Christie. And so I said, well, Martina is really the Agatha Christie expert. So let's get her thoughts on this. So I just wanted to okay. ask you, if somebody wants to read some Agatha Christie, what would you recommend? Okay, so Agatha Christie. I wouldn't say that I am an expert, no. But do I enjoy her beloved novels? Yes. And if you're one of those readers who like to do things in order, like read in a sequence. So I would suggest The Mysterious Affair of Styles. It is Agatha Christie's first um, murder mystery. Um, And she stars her detective, Hercule Perot, and um, she has a whole series of novels by him. But it's not necessary to read the books in order. Like, The Murder on the Orient Express is really good. Um, I love that. Um, Death on the Nile is really good. Um, But I've been trying to read them in order. So I've read The Mysterious Feller of Styles, Murder on the Links, um, so on and so forth. They're all good. You can't go wrong with any of them. And um, and there are none. Um, that's not really a part of any of her Hercule Perot series. That is also very good. And Kelsey, I got to, I know we talked about it a little bit, but I got to listen to this author who came out with a new book. It is a fictional book, but it is about Agatha Christie. It's called The Mystery of Miss Christie by Marie Benedict. And one of my favorite local indie bookstores put on this virtual author fair, the best of books. They're amazing. Um, And she was talking about some of Agatha Christie's life like I've never thought about before. And it mentions it in the book a little bit. But her sister basically told her that she could not write a mystery novel. They grew up, you know, reading um Sherlock Holmes stuff like that they love mysteries and her sister's like you can't do that Agatha and Agatha's like 
watch me. <laughs> so she did it. And that was her first, um, book, the mysterious affair of styles and fun fact. Whenever she kind of reached her fame, she signed more book deals. She was able to buy a house, like a Tudor kind of house. And she named it styles. That's cute. Yeah, it is really cute. So anyway, if you love Agatha Christie or things about Agatha Christie, this isn't like, it is fictional, but it is really good. It does have some hints of some truth in there, some facts, and it is called The Mystery of Miss Christie, and it is by Marie Benedict, and it just recently came out. Interesting. Yeah. Let's look at that. I just really liked Murder on the Orient Express because I do have this dream of, like, one day taking a train trip <sighs> and just, like, yes. being on the train, going to the dining car. But not like an Amtrak train. Yeah. It's like a fancy train, you know? Same. Same. And we have like the sleeper cars that have like the bunk in there. Yes. It's we like were watching Harry Potter the other day. Yes. And I was like, I really want to ride a train. And yeah. then Jamal reminded me of my Amtrak experience that I had as a child. Have you ridden the Amtrak, Kelsey? Yes. And it's not a magical experience. It's not a magical experience. (laughs) (laughs) That is not the kind of train trip I want. The Amtrak is purely, um, that's what I'm looking for. Like, it's utilitarian. It is to get you to a place. No. I want a train trip where, like, the train is the trip. Yes. And it's, like, it's just, like, a leisurely, like, oh, let's go to the dining car. Let's have a nap in our bunk and watch... (laughs) Like the train read a book as the yes. countryside. Yes. That is the kind of train trip I want. I don't want to. We have to go to Dallas, so let's just get on this train. Yeah. There no. is some, like, I know it's not, like, for a whole day, but there are some, like, scenic trains in, like, Colorado that look really cool. I did one in Alaska, but it was... I really just want to eat on a train. Yeah. It just sounds fun. It just sounds magical. We'll have to go to Europe. Oh, 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 oh. I'm pretty sure. Okay, guys, I heard this once, so I don't know if this is the truth, but I'm going to look it up later. I'm pretty sure they have an Oriental Express train, like, like the book. But not murder, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> where you can cool go that'd be, that'd be and cool ride it. Like, if it was like a murder mystery party. Yeah. And like somebody on the train was murdered. And then you could be the murderer. Ooh. Yes. Oh my gosh. Maybe we should cut this out so we can do this idea for ourselves. We, yes, absolutely. I would totally do that. That's I would like totally my do that too. I don't know if you guys watch Parks and Rec, but there's one part. It's I think it's pretty early on. And it's, like, where I really identify with Leslie Nope. Mm-hmm. And she's, like, all I want is to solve a murder on a train. And she, was trying to get through, <laughs> she had, like, a few other things that she said. They're, like, this is all I'm asking for in life. Is this, this, and to solve a murder on a train. And I was, like, okay, I'm all in with Leslie because I've always felt that way. Mm-hmm. Like, clearly, I don't want anybody to be murdered. Yeah. Just like, ugh, it just sounds... Yeah, we like can I do just fake murder. That. Yeah. Like a, one of those, exactly. like, dinner and a show yeah. things. Yeah. Exactly. People have murder yeah. dinner parties all the time. Why can't we really move fun. that to a train? And on that train, we would also have dinner. Yeah. And we can dress appropriately. Fancy. Yeah. Fancy. Yes. <sighs> if you're yeah. listening out there and you own a train company, <laughs> please make yes. this happen. And we do have an idea for you. We have an idea and we would love to host the event. Absolutely. Yeah, and but we probably can pay for it, but we can host it. Yeah. <laughs> we can arrive there and be part of it. Yes. we were the murderers? Or what if one of us was can you, can you see me as a murderer? Um, no, which means you'd be the perfect murderer. Exactly. Like, in real life, guys, this is the most I really talk. Like, like in the real world, I really am antisocial, and I don't really talk. <laughs> And so people, yeah, they would probably be surprised if I was a murderer. Which is the perfect murderer. Yeah, exactly. To quote Dwight Schrute, another great show, <laughs> it's always the person you most medium suspect. Medium. I love a good Dwight Schrute. 
Yeah. So watch out, guys. You don't know my secret life. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm scared. Don't be. But yeah. So thanks for those recommendations. Absolutely. Speaking of spookiness and potential death. Oh. That brings us to our book today, which is Rebecca. Oh, I'm so excited. I love Rebecca. I did an Instagram review over Rebecca over quarantine. I read it for the first time over quarantine. And it did not disappoint me. It is on my top, probably my top 10 list of books. Wow. It's way up there. Should I read the book description? Absolutely. This is the book description for Rebecca. Last night, I dreamt I went to Manderley again. The novel begins in Monte Carlo, where our heroine is swept off her feet by the dashing widower Maxim de Winter and his sudden proposal of marriage. Orphaned and working as a lady's maid, she can barely believe her luck. It is only when they arrive at his massive country estate that she realizes how large a shadow his late wife will cast over their lives, presenting her with a lingering evil that threatens to destroy their marriage from beyond the grave. Dun, dun, dun. Spooky. Spooky. <sighs> okay, so this book was written by, and Kelsey, please correct me. You guys know right by now, I can't pronounce things well. Daphne de Dumere. Daphne Dumere. I, I was saying it earlier. I say Daphne Dumore. Daphne Dumore. I don't know if that's proper, but that's how I say it. So please. I apologize to the estate of Daphne Dumore if I'm saying that wrong. Yeah. I hope it's Daphne Dumore. I'm sorry. We're terribly sorry if it's not. Because, yeah. So, um, just a little bit about Daphne. I'll just stick to Daphne. That works. Um, she was born. Yeah, yeah. She was born into a creative and successful family. Her grandfather was the brilliant artist and writer George Dumoir, and her father was Gerald Dumoir, the most famous actor manager um, of the day. Her mother was an actress, and in 1932, Daphne married Frederick Browning. He was a military man. They had three children, and she lived um, in a manor house that overlooked like this beautiful, these beautiful grounds. Um, For a long time, Daphne was described as a romantic novelist. This is completely misleading as she wrote dark, gothic, edgy novels and short stories with unexpected twists and suspenseful endings. Um, There are many conflicting views on Daphne's personality. Um, On one hand, she was kind of kept to herself, a private person um, who liked routine and to avoid complication. Um, especially between friends and things like that, in order to keep relationships simple. If you read Rebecca, it might best explain her by saying that she was both Rebecca, she was brave, strong, loving the outdoors, and she was also like Mrs. DeWinter, um, unsure of herself and hiding away. Um, so she was very a complex and interesting person. Um, but some interesting things about Daphne... Um, she became a dame, which is basically the equivalent of a British knight. And she was, is it damed in 1969? <laughs> um, and she also had the title of Lady Browning. So she was Lady Browning. She was a dame. She wow. had all these titles. But um, according to like her website, she never really used those. She's more of a humble person. She didn't really, you shall call me dame. <laughs> I shall only respond to dame. Yes. Poor lady. <laughs> <laughs> um, Daphne had many different plays and books besides Rebecca. And one of her more famous short story plays was the birds. And I don't know about you, Kelsey, but I read the birds in high school, which was interesting. And it shocked me because after I read Rebecca and then I knew she wrote the birds, I'm like, that's totally two different 
things. But anyway, we'll get more on that later. And Daphne died on April 19th of 1889. So she lived a long and happy life. Yes. Daphne Damore, the dame, the lady, the novelist. (laughs) The myth, the man, the legend. The myth, the man, the legend. (laughs) Wow, I'm not surprised. I didn't know that she wrote birds. I haven't read read birds, but I have watched the movie, unfortunately. Unfortunately, I have watched the movie as well. We watched it in high school, and I'm like, what is this nonsense? But, I mean, it was in the 30s that this was, like, coming out, 30s, 40s. So, I mean, for back in the day. Truthfully, it wasn't. I don't think it's a bad movie. I just had an English teacher who was a little forgetful, Mm. and she forgot every day that we'd already watched the movie. And so we watched it for like a month every day because what? nobody was, was going to tell her, Hey, we already did this. Cause I mean, we'd rather just watch a movie, but I as, think that truly ruined it for me because I saw it every day. As a, a teacher, I apologize on behalf of all teachers. <laughs> yeah. She probably should have retired to be honest. Oh, but that is, that was just the situation yeah. we were in. So, <laughs> yeah, you are very acquainted with the birds. <laughs> yes. And I truly think if I hadn't seen it that many times, I would probably like it. Yeah. So also a little bookmark, fun fact, Alfred Hitchcock directed the birds. And he, he also... And Rebecca. And Rebecca. So, yeah. Which is an interesting tie-in. I guess Hitchcock was a fan. Yeah. And I was reading on her website, like her out of all of her books that were turned into movies or all her plays that were turned into movies, um, the ones directed by Alfred Hitchcock were her favorite. Good. Well, you ready for some Amazon reviews? You know, I love some Amazon reviews. Awesome. Well, first I have a couple of bookmarks of like the numbers of the rankings of this book, mm-hmm. how well it's selling on Amazon and what categories. So it's actually number 2,470 just in general of all books. Oh, wow. That's actually pretty impressive because I feel like every book that ever existed is on Amazon. Yeah. Um, It's number nine in Gothic romances. It's number 30 in teen and young adult classic literature, which, okay, I don't see how this is teen or young adult, but alrighty then. Yeah. It's number 101 in classic literature and fiction. So it's doing pretty well for a book that came out several decades ago. Yeah. And so I have a little bookmark. Between the time that it came out. So Rebecca was written in 1938. And between that time and 1965, it sold over 3 million copies, which is pretty good. I mean, Mm -hmm. for those times. Definitely, and it's still selling. Yeah. So clearly, I'm the wrong one here. <laughs> and I acknowledge that. So overall, out of 7,454 reviews, it had a 4.5 out of 5 stars. It had 71% of those were 5 star, 17% were 4 star, 7% were 3 star, 3% were 2 star, and 4% were 1 star. And I'll be fair and say, like, all the one stars were complaints about the Kindle version of the book, mm. like being abridged and missing parts and like people not liking the book that like the actual physical book they said yeah. was like too small or was like missing something. So kind of thought that'd be warning to you about ordering this book on Amazon. Yeah. A lot of people were disgruntled to say the least. Yeah. Understandable. So our first five-star one. So this one, she really liked the book, but she also acknowledged that it's not for everybody. And so she had a few questions that I thought were interesting mm-hmm. to think about, about if you should read this book. Her name is Sarah, just to give her a shout out. Um, so she's all aside, this book isn't for everyone. If you're not already a fan, this checklist may help you decide whether or not to read Rebecca. So her first one is, do you like gothic fiction? Which I think is a great um, mm-hmm. question because I don't think not everyone loves it you have to have a taste for it yes and so she just kind of brings up like the style and the you know phrasing and like the descriptions are kind of different so she shouts out like Jane Eyre 
um, some books that if you've read this, you might like this book. So that was a really good idea. Um, she also brings up that it's a very fall like story, which I agree with. Mm-hmm. It very much has an air of like just cuddling up on, by the fire, wearing your mm-hmm. fuzzy sweater. Um, she also brings up that there's a movie. So she said, if you like the movie, try out the book. And the last one, she says, are you a feminist? Which mm. brings us to my main issues with the book. <laughs> um, so she just brings up, like, this does have old-fashioned gender rule, uh, roles. So if that's something that bothers you, you're going to be annoyed by it, maybe don't read it. Mm-hmm. Um, she also brings up, like, the mirroring of the protagonist and the dead Rebecca. Um, and adds an interesting, like, layer to think about. And then she says, maybe, maybe I need to find this. Um, apparently, in a version of the book, there's an afterword by Sally Bowman that gives a good explanation of the gendered forces at work and addresses some misinterpretations. Mm-hmm. So maybe I should read that to ask some of my questions. Yeah, so I thought that was just kind of a good breakdown of just some things that if you're considering yeah. reading this book, what do you think? I love that because yeah. those are some big points because like you said, like, gothic novels aren't for everyone like i love wuthering heights i love jane eyre Mm -hmm. um the bronte sisters are amazing um and also yeah it's 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 set in like england in the early 1900s so yes you you know you gotta you gotta go with it roll with it yes the next one and i will say a lot of the five star was from men Mm-hmm. which is interesting. That is interesting. And truth, I think, makes more sense after I say some of my criticisms of this book. Um, Bill gave it five out of five stars. He said, overall, wow. I could not put this book down and I could not stop thinking about it. These perfect curl up by the fire with a glass of wine or tea book and, and get completely lost in. One of the best books I've ever read and can't believe I have not read it sooner. I recommend to all. Um, he says... Um, the good, the writing, the writing in it is exquisite. The reader is immediately transported back in time. It's easy to get quickly lost in the novel. Though I did not particularly care for the heroine, she is relatable, and this helps to feel like you are a part of the plot. All the characters in this novel are, are, are multi-layered, unique, and complex. I was on the edge of my seat the entire time, and the whole tone is suspenseful. I do not want to give anything away, but this is a gem of a novel, and, hot, and I highly recommend it. He says the bad... You will have no life from start to finish of this book because it is consuming. The only real critique I have was that I never particularly liked the narrator. These are there are characters I strongly disliked, Mrs. Danvers among others, but there were none that I particularly loved, except for Jasper the dog, which truthfully yeah. Bill, I agree with you. I I agree too. Nobody really likes Miss Danvers. Miss Dan Dan Mrs. Danvers. <sighs> Mrs. Danvers. But I'm going to say something controversial. Okay. Here, here I go. My I'm bracing myself. <laughs> also, like, spoiler alert. If you are still listening yeah. and you want to read it, now is your time to get out and then come back when you're going to listen. Because I would say, like, this book, you don't want it to be spoiled. You don't. Because, like I was saying, like, in the author note, her novel novels have, like, a unusually twist at the end. So suspenseful yeah so you don't want the ending to be ruined yeah goodbye come back yes come back goodbye yes but i feel like mrs danvers could have been meaner truthfully like i understand that we're supposed to think that she's Mm -hmm. like this evil character but i truly think that she could have done more to be like i wish she would have been written as like more mean something that she really did was was tell her like about to dress up like the picture which i agree was horrible but that's like all that mm. she really outrightly did because she I, still was like i mean she still did all okay here's another controversial thing mrs danvers did everything the narrator did nothing in the house and the narrator was too afraid to ever say anything or do anything so i'm like honestly if i was mrs danvers i'd be annoyed too like this person just moved in and she's not helping at all or doing anything yeah but okay so i am going to engage <laughs> you on this Please because do. i could not stand mrs danvers yes she unfortunately in this situation like it was her job to care for the house and 
the second Mrs. DeWinter, she'd never done this before. She was trying to feel like she belonged. And Mrs. Danvers was like comparing her to Rebecca since basically the time she set foot in the house. So she felt like she didn't belong. She was always being compared to Rebecca. She didn't know what she was doing because, like we said, she was a lady's maid beforehand. She's never lived a glamorous life. And now she has this big house, this Manderly house that is very well known um, that she is the lady of, and she doesn't know what to do. Yes, and I see where you're coming from. I totally get that, that she is like this person who just stepped into this world. But I feel like more of the blame for why she doesn't feel like she belongs is on her husband, Mm. Maxim, who... I'm going to be honest right now. Maxim is horrible. One of my questions is, are we supposed to think that he's great? Like, do you think that we're supposed to fall in love with Maxim when we read this book? I think... I think in the beginning of the book, you know, he's an odd duck. But he kind of sweeps her off her feet. I mean, takes her away from the horrible lady that she's working for. Um, And I think it doesn't hit them till they get back to Manderly. Like, his thoughts on Rebecca. And like, and as you'll read later on in the book, this is a major spoiler. He didn't like Rebecca. And so, and he also was associated with her murder so associated spoilers he he did it he did it he murdered her murdered her thing of like people are like yeah but she was mean it's like okay just because somebody's (laughs) mean to you does not mean you get to murder them yeah just gonna throw that out there (laughs) you're okay you are right on that i never did like maxim i but i think his meanness and not making her feel welcome at Manderley was trying to like protect her from this place. But I'm like, then you probably shouldn't have brought her here. You should have gone somewhere else, but yes. And it's like, okay, you did bring her here. So now help her feel welcome because. Yeah. And I'm just saying, and I know Uh, Mrs. Danvers is horrible. I'm not saying that I liked her, but I am saying that I wish she was like, did something worse, I guess. That's what I'm saying. Sorry, guys. And I also want to say that I understand this was written, you know, back in the day. And people don't have the same thoughts about women's Mm -hmm. rights and relationships that they do. But I think that's what made this book really hard was that I could not get out of, like, at the time, like, my 2020 mind frame of, like, I beg your freaking pardon, Maxim. Mm -hmm. Like, a million steps back. (laughs) Like, I could not break that in my mind and so I know that's probably annoying people listening to this because I understand it's like written a different time but it's just very to use like a catchword of this time it's very problematic (laughs) it was problematic so again I apologize this is your favorite book but yeah yeah okay let's go to Carl let's see what his thoughts are let's hear Carl Yes. Says, Carl, three out of five stars. Absorbing, but absolutely no fun. I recommend you skip this one. Says, book begins at a time after most of what takes place in the book. You read about the circumstances, though not the causes of those circumstances affecting the book's main characters. Then we pass this to an earlier time and are told about the strange things and unusual people who uh, produce these eventual results. Mostly crazy and weird, but talented writing that few would be capable of achieving. And I like this one because I do want to acknowledge that I think Daphne Demar is a very good writer. Mm-hmm. And even if it's not for me, I feel like her writing was very good. Yes. And I she did kind of capture like like that suspense. And I feel like she also like the narrator is a good like I don't want to say role model, but like example of somebody who does have anxiety. Absolutely. And who does have like all these cognitive distortions, like that everybody hates you and that people are always mm-hmm. judging you. No self-confidence whatsoever. No, because do you think people were actually judging her that much? I think yes, because from like I read a lot of like, you know, things from that time period and 
her being in that house, being the lady of Manderley, she, you know, she was going to be looked upon to be polished and a grand lady. Um, and Rebecca was all those things. Rebecca had captured everybody around her. Um, and so, yeah, I think she was being very much criticized for who she was. See, I felt like a lot of it was in her head, especially like the party stuff when she was like, they're going to go home and say that I'm like a horrible hostess and all this stuff. No, I agreed that it probably would have happened. But I think it's just the time frame. Yeah. Not to to put on my therapist pants. Please do. It's a good example of like cognitive distortions and how like she really has no evidence to support that everybody hates her. Mm-hmm. And yet she's treating that, that like that's an accurate thought that she's having. She I doesn't agree. Really have any evidence to support this apart from, you know, Mrs. Danvers, who does hate her. Yeah. A lot of people are nice to her. I think Beatrice is nice to her, like to a certain extent. I think Beatrice isn't a very yeah. nice person in general. But I do feel like she was pretty nice to the narrator. And I think Frank was very nice to her. Mm-hmm. Jasper liked her. Yeah. And so I do think it's a good, like, I don't know, example of when we think that these thoughts are true, but they're really not. I guess that just says a little bit about me because I'm really bad at this. Like, I have a lot of cognitive distortion. Like you say, like, I, in the back of my mind, I think, oh, these people don't like me because, you know, they looked at me wrong or something like that. Yes, I mean, something Um, that we all struggle with. And that yeah. it's there and it's hard to think that, you know, a thought we're having is not accurate because we're having that thought. Mm-hmm. But usually there's like, there's no evidence for that. Yeah. So I guess I'm more of a, I get Mrs. DeWinter in that. Cause I related to it a lot because I'm like, yeah. that was me. I would, I would be having the exact same, the exact same feelings, but you're right. In a healthy person, there's no evidence to to show that, to showcase those things. Yeah. That's why I'm glad even you're if a therapist. It, even if it is true, that doesn't have to be your thought that you have about it. Yeah. Because maybe they don't like you because they're a rude person, not because you did anything to them. Yeah. Sorry, I'll get off my soapbox now. Oh. That's fine. You needed to get up there. <laughs> I needed to hear that. Next, we have Lucy. Okay, what does Lucy got to say? Five. She says, interesting to read. I don't think I've read a novel that so much of it is written in the first person. It was long and very detailed at times. I felt as though I was losing myself in reading this novel and trying to figure out where the author was taking me, what she wanted me to see, to feel. Mm-hmm. I agree with that because I feel like at parts... I didn't know whose side we were supposed to be on. Yeah, I think that was her. I think that was her. The point of it, though, because I think she wanted the reader to be, you know, hmm. What, you know, yeah, what's going to happen? Thinking about those choices. Yeah. So that's that's fair. Yes, I agree. I agree, Lucy. Let's see. Then we have Annie Fanny, who... Did you just say Annie Fanny? Yes, that's the name on here. (laughs) That's amazing. And she gave it a two out of five stars. She says, how this book is a classic is beyond me. Not one of the characters is likable. (sighs) The narrator is a whiny, gullible baby. The housekeeper is evil. And the husband is a mean you-know-what. There isn't one good character among them, except maybe Ben. Who... Who's Ben? He was... The the older guy who had some uh, intellectual disabilities. Oh, yes. I've heard about him. Yeah. The overuse of people talking to themselves is tedious and confusing. I wanted to read this book because it's a classic, but I'm sorry I wasted my time. <sighs> oh, straight to the heart for me. Yes, I, I know this book is not for everyone. Yes, and I don't agree that the narrator is a whiny global baby. I truly think that Maxim took advantage of her and her being young. I do too. And brought her to this place. 
I think do you think that she has anxiety and probably depression and you know her husband is not yeah being there for her and she has nobody else and she's in this big house with Miss so, Danvers I truly yes I truly honest I think Maxim for me is the villain of this story I do too and even when he comes back later he's like I just loved you so much I didn't want to tell you all these <laughs> things I'm like well, you just started, back. yeah, you started your marriage off on the wrong foot, not being honest. So, yeah, there you go. Just to get my soapbox once again. This book could literally be used as, like, in, like, a domestic violence, like, education situation. Yeah. Because he has all, he has a lot of the hallmarks of somebody who is abusive in a relationship. He's constantly gaslighting her, making her feel like she's crazy. When these things are mm-hmm. actually happening, he's always making her feel on edge. He's mm-hmm. making her apologize for what? I don't know. Mm-hmm. He's like leaving her. He's coming back. He's not, you know, sharing what he's doing. <sighs> I know. I, for a person who loves this, loves this novel, I agree. I do not like Maxim, but I think I love this novel because of just the narrator herself. Um, like I could just relate to a lot of her anxiety things and just still sticking forward. I don't agree. Like in modern times, I'm like, you know, dump him, leave him, you know, <laughs> do you? Um, but she was for that time period, she was like, you know, I have some security. I have, yeah. you know, a home and, I think she was trying to make the best. I think she was just trying to figure things out. I think this novel is shows a lot of that. Her growing as a person and trying to figure things out about who she is compared to Rebecca. And if that makes any sense. It does make sense. I wanted the narrator and Frank to run off together. Frank... Yeah, he was a friend. And I, I will admit, I had some times where I'm like, I, I hope she goes off with it. Like, this is more her, up her alley. Because he yeah. was more relatable to her because it's kind of the same kind of social system she was in. She wasn't used to being, you know, Lady de Winter. So, yeah. 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 But I agree. I wish she would have ran off with Frank. Yeah, and I think Frank was very nice. So it proves that this is not just how men were at this time. Yeah. Maxim was just... Maxim was self-absorbent. He was worried about his ex-wife's murder coming to life. Which he should, because he's a murderer. Yeah, he's a murderer. So, yeah. 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 (laughs) I feel like, I don't know. I feel like I'm talking myself out of this book because no, I loved I it. I loved reading it. it. I, I think, think I think what got me is just how suspenseful it was. It was very like, suspenseful. You're like, where, you know, where's the point in this going? She's being compared to Rebecca. Like I thought I got the paranormal aspect of it. I thought maybe she was a ghost. Um, That's what I was hoping for. Was that there was like a ghost of Rebecca, like wandering, yeah, or that like Rebecca had was like a ghost and had actually like inhabited Mrs. Danvers' body, and so that's why Mrs. Danvers was like the way she was. Uh huh. Or that like Rebecca was still alive and like secretly living in the house still is what I was hoping. Yes, I thought that was too. That maybe she really she staged her her death. Which, you know, that was part of the murder plot to look like it. She died yes. on accident. But, yeah. I thought that Rebecca was going to show up and be like, what's up? Yeah. I'm here. It's me. <laughs> it's me. Like, you me. <laughs> what are you doing yeah. in my house? <laughs> yes, which honestly, if I was married to Max, I might also fake my own death so I wouldn't have to deal with him anymore. Yeah. I would too. I don't know. I just, I just love the narrator so much. And speaking of, we keep calling her the narrator because we don't know what her real name is. Yes. That brings me one of our discussion questions. Okay. 
So this one is, Dumore admitted that her heroine has no name because she can never think of an appropriate one, which in itself is a telling comment. What effect does it have on the novel that the heroine has no first name? I think this kind of goes back to me saying, like, she's trying to find herself. Like, she's she's kind of, like, figuring out who she is from going from a lady's maid to being, you know, Mrs. DeWinter. And I think she's still trying to establish. She's very young. She's trying to establish herself. And so I think that was kind of a cool play that Daphne and Demura did. Um, it's interesting. I mean, it's something to talk about. We don't know. We don't know her name. So what do you think, Kelsey? I felt like it was kind of to symbolize that in a way she is kind of disposable. Mm. Like she doesn't have a name. She kind of just came out of nowhere. She mm-hmm. seemed disposable to Mrs. Hopper in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And now she's kind of seems, or she feels disposable to Maxim. I like that. So to me, that it was kind of, and like what you said about her just still trying to figure out who she is. Mm-hmm. And figuring out why she's even in this place. Why she made yeah. this decision. Because that was definitely a question. Like, why am I here? What am I doing here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what am I doing with my life? Yeah. Other question. Like this is just like a general question, but I'm like, what? Like, what did she do all day? Because it seemed like she just wrote letters. Yeah. In that time frame, that's what people like the lady of the house did. They just had a leisurely life. But they planned the menu. They wrote letters. They walked outside in the gardens. you can help me with this. I didn't understand who she was writing to if everybody hates her and she has no family. Who yeah. were all these letters going to? I think it said that some of them were like neighbors who had written her. She wrote Beatrice. And yeah, I guess you're right. Who is she writing? It's also one of those things of like, I just imagine like what people actually do with their jobs. Yeah. Like your friend, I'm so busy at work, and I'm like, I just want to know like what their actual work looks like. If that makes sense, like what do they do with their job? Yeah, I was. I wish that I was like an investigative journalist who could just like follow people around for a day of their job. Mm -hmm. So I just am genuinely very curious about like what does people's work look like? Like what do they fill their time doing? Me. Grading papers. Okay. <laughs> Teachers are a little bit more. <laughs> like, I don't know, like accountants or like even lawyers, where it's a little bit more ambiguous of like, what does yeah. like your actual work look like? Like, I just want to know what you're actually doing. And see, as I was reading this book too, I was like, I was kind of jealous. I'm like, I wish I had a Manderly and I could sit around all day leisurely drinking tea and reading my books in the garden. Yeah, I I think it sounded kind of awful. Oh, well like, that's not the scene you around. Mean. Not the scene around and like you know all day, but I was like, if that was all I was doing literally every day. Yeah. I don't think I could do it. Yeah. It and sounds I'm, good in theory, but like that's even me. Like if I like for winter break. I was like, I felt like I had no purpose because I had nothing to do. I felt like a failure. Which maybe that explains like the narrator and like her point of view. Because like I would also feel like, what am I doing? Because I'm literally doing nothing. I'm going to this one room every day and sitting here until I have my Mm -hmm. tea. Like, what is my life? What is my purpose? Yeah. (laughs) Like, Mm. what am I doing? I love that. That's what I, I just felt like. And then I was like, well, what is she supposed to do? Like, Maxim again is not being like, hey, mm-hmm. let's do this together. Let's, and like, also, like, what is Maxim doing every day? He's just a rich man walking wondering. around, looking at the sea. Like, Frank oh. is the real worker here. Yes. Frank, and they have like all the house people. Yeah. So it's like, what are they really doing? What are they really doing? This is my question. Yeah. yeah. It it's sounds like it'd be fun for like a couple of weeks and then yes, go for home. sure. Yeah, get back to the schedule. Yes, and then I have to go somewhere. Yeah. Let's see. 
Okay, here's one. What is the heroine led to believe about Rebecca? In what way does the dead woman exert power over Manderly? At this point, what are your feelings about the new Mrs. DeWinter? You kind of already talked about this, but like, are you sympathetic to what she's going through or impatient with her lack of assertion? Or were you kind of confused and frightened along with her? I would say I was a little more sympathetic, but there was times like I wanted to push her, like, be you, be who you're going to be, stand up for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I say that because I feel like that's something that I need to say in my life personally, stand up for myself and to be confident. Um, so, yeah, I, I was sympathetic, but I was also a little bit, you, girl, you need to, you need to do you, you need to do what you need to do. So, yeah, I was probably both too. I did feel bad for her. Like she's just been brought to this place and yeah. like just kind of dropped off. Yeah. And I wanted her to like pick up painting and stuff because I'm sure that she would like to paint. Ooh. So I was like, that's how you can fill your day. Yeah. Is painting instead of like writing letters oh, to letters. who I don't know. Mm-hmm. I do like that. But what you also got to think too, like she knew this place, like even before she came and she knew Mr. DeWinter because she True. talked about how she bought a postcard of Manderley. And like a local town shop. And I'm like, wow, think about it. You know, you're a young person buying a postcard of Mandarin and now you live here. That's got to be like big life changes. So. That's a really good point. I'd be like buying like a postcard of Disney World and then all of a sudden you are living in the castle. Walt (laughs) Disney. (laughs) Very bizarre. It would be a bizarre life. What did you think of Rebecca? And do you think that Maxim is reliable? Like, do you think what he says is true? I'll be honest. I question Maxim, especially like when he's talking about the murder. I'm like, you are just a questionable fellow. Rebecca, I never really liked her. Like, she's just portrayed. I found her portrayed as like arrogant, you know, self-centered in control of everything. Yes, everybody loved her, but I guess I was just so connected to the narrator that I was like, I felt bad for her. And so I felt bad, like even in the afterlife, Rebecca was kind of, you know, this huge shadow, like we're saying in our, the discussion before, you know, a huge shadow over her life. Yes. I actually read an interesting article, which I'm so sorry. I don't remember what it was called, so I really apologize, but it was talking about how the book actually is feminist because mm. Maxim was threatened by Rebecca because she was oh. so capable and everybody did love her. And so that's why he murdered her and brought in this person who maybe is so, yeah. you know, trying to find herself and is still weaker. And so kind of showing that sometimes men have issues with strong women. And then also brought up another point that Maxim is the only one that ever said anything bad about her. Yeah, you know, I've never thought about that. I love that point of view. That yeah, Rebecca was a very confident woman. Very, mm-hmm. she's like, I'm gonna do me. I'm gonna do what I want to do. I'm a sailboat. I have my little house on the, yes, the lake thing at that house. In the yeah, cottage. yeah. And Maxim's like, don't go in there ever. Just like, yeah, get out of here. Yeah. Um, I think the only thing that you could say is like that she like was cheating on him. Mm-hmm. But if Maxim is the same kind of husband that he was with the narrator, then she could have been trying to reach out to him and be like, hi, I need you to actually yeah. support me and be this. And maybe he was just aloof, which is not a reason to cheat on somebody. Or maybe but, she was just too confident for him and she he didn't like how confident she was. Yes. Which I didn't like that she was cheating with him on her cousin. Yeah, that kind of... I'm like, why couldn't we make this a friend? Yeah. Okay, once again, I understand this was a different time. Yes. But I think that's made a, point of, it made a point of saying they were first cousins. Mm. But you guys have the same grandparents. You call mm. the same people grandma and grandpa. Your mm. mother-in-law would also yeah. be your aunt. So I'm like, why can't it just be, like, a friend? Yeah. Like, would that be so difficult? 
this is my friend. Like, I think back at my cousins, my male cousins, I'm like, ew, no. Like, that's like a brother. Yeah, it's gross. No. Yeah, but I thought that was, I don't know if it's a correct job. I thought that was an interesting perspective. That is an interesting perspective. Because, you know, like, all the staff loved Rebecca. Miss Danvers clearly loved Rebecca. I thought she her was a little obsessed. A little obsessed with yeah. her. All the townspeople loved Rebecca. Mm-hmm. So it's like, hmm. Maybe, yeah. She wasn't so bad after all. That's an interesting. I really like that. Thank you for thank you for mentioning that. I like that concept. And I can't take credit for that again. I I apologize. I did not write down what that article was, but it was really interesting. Next one. Were you surprised by the twa- by the twist the plot takes when Rebecca's body is found, and when Maxim finally tells the truth about his and Rebecca's marriage? Did the strange details of plot fall into place for you? Yeah, I did not see that coming. Like I said, I thought this was more of a paranormal thing. I thought she was going to be a ghost. And so, yeah, I was surprised. I thought maybe she did one of those things. Like, she's like, I'm going to fake my own death or kill myself and then blame him kind of thing. Um, I thought maybe the suicide was, like, for more selfish reasons um, to get back at Maxim. So I was a little shocked that Maxim did kill her. But, like, seeing how he was throughout the book and how he treated um, the narrator, I can see it. I think he was very – he wanted to control. But Rebecca was like, no, I'm in control. And so yeah, And Maxim then plus he found out – then he found out that he was – she was cheating on him, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought that she was going to be pregnant at the end, not sick. I did too. Which I thought she was pregnant. Sense. It would have made, it would have honestly probably backed up Maxim more if she would have been pregnant instead of mm-hmm. sick. Yeah. So I definitely thought she was too. I was really surprised that she, like, I was actually surprised that he told the narrator that he murdered mm-hmm. her. I was, yeah. I'm surprised he was just so open with her in the end like that mm-hmm. because he was so closed off. So it it's very it was very surprising when he did that, and I think that just gives it the twist that it, it mm-hmm. needed. He's like, "No, I love you. I never loved Rebecca," Ugh, which now he's nice to her because he needs her to keep her mouth closed. True. So of course he's gonna be like, "No." Darling, I love you. Please don't tell people I'm a murderer. I went into this book thinking, it, yeah, it was more of like a romantic novel. And then finding out it was a mystery at the end. I love that. I liked it too. Yeah. yeah. I liked that part of it of like. I had a very Agatha Christie oh. twist at the end of it. Kind of. Yeah. I felt. It did. Do you, what, what were your thoughts on the narrator's response to him saying that he murdered Rebecca I wish she could have stood up a little bit more and be like dude you're a murderer yeah. <laughs> you murdered somebody you murdered your ex-wife and now I'm married to you which would mean you could yeah, possibly probably. murder me in the future so I wish she kind of would have gone her own way with that instead of oh no we need to get him away from here Yes. I think yeah. part of it also, maybe it's like Stockholm Syndrome of mm. she's just like been with him and now she's like desperate to get his approval. And if that approval means saying it's fine to have a murderer. I see that. Yeah. Because she, she was starving for his approval. She was starving to live up to his expectations. So this was her chance when he was a murderer. I think this is also like one of those classic things where let's say like you meet a guy and you're like, Oh, how are your ex-girlfriends? And he's like, Oh, they were all crazy. Mm-hmm. It's like, Hmm. Mm-hmm. They were all crazy. All of them. It's interesting because you're the only common denominator in all mm-hmm. these things. And so also felt mm-hmm. kind of like that of, I think like when we are younger and we are immature 
and someone said that to us we're like oh well I'm gonna be different I'm not mm-hmm. crazy like let me show you and so I think there's also some of that of like now that he now that she knows that Rebecca was not like this great figure to him or at least that's what he's saying yeah he's like oh good so now I can be the one who is like not crazy and like love you and change you mm-hmm. which is never a good idea Never a good idea. Especially when the person's a murderer. Never works out. Yeah, murderer. But <laughs> if Jabal was like, hey, I murdered somebody. Well, yeah, she well, never we, would. This is perfect. Because you're married. <laughs> and I will say, like, Jamal is not Maxim. He is not human. Yeah, married. he's very sweet. He's a very and- nice guy. But what if he told you, after you're already married, that he murdered a previous partner that he had? What would your response be? <sighs> I don't, I love him so much. Like he is what I think love is all about. I don't know if he's like, Oh, I murdered somebody. I probably at first would be like, (laughs) what the heck? But I don't know. I would also feel this need to protect him because he is the love of my life. And he is my husband, but I feel like I'd also be a little betrayed that he didn't tell me that in the beginning. <laughs> yeah. Which, if he told you that in the beginning, it would the real issue is that, <laughs> the real issue is that you're finding this out after you already married and you already love this person. Because on the first yeah. date, he was like, oh, by the way, I murdered somebody. I'm hoping that'd be like a hard out for you. Yeah. Like, okay, well, I'm going to go. Yeah. <laughs> well, I do love a good murder mystery, so true crime no i'm just kidding no um yeah i would definitely be out of that it's like i went on a date once (laughs) oh no um so this so this guy i actually dated him previously we broke up because i'm like "Eh, you're you're a little little weird but i was like Later on in life, you know, you're single. You're like, uh, maybe I should just give him another <laughs> shot. Well, on this first date, he told me he had a restraining order against another girl. So I'm like, hmm. I'm I was nice <laughs> until I could get out of the car. Yes. That's the and then opposite. later on, I was like, no. Hmm. No. Mm-mm. I'm suddenly feeling ill. I need to go home. Yeah. I, I'll call you later. Yeah. So... <laughs> yeah so yeah. ladies gentlemen look for those red flags look for the red flags you okay because i'm gonna say maxim did show her a red flag in the very beginning when they were driving he like almost drove off, drove off a cliff oh yeah and he was like oh i'm sorry i just forgot where i was like uh no excuse me <laughs> i mean you're in the dreamy monte carlo though she's like oh Living no. my best life. If yeah, someone no. tries to drive you over a cliff <laughs> and their only response is, I'm sorry, I zoned out. No. No. Get out. Once you are in a safe place, get out. Because that's not good. Yeah. Notice these no. red flags. Because I think the narrator, something we can learn from the narrator is that she did not observe these red flags. She did not know her self-worth in a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Not good. Not good. No. So please be aware of those things and know that we always love you. Always stand up for who you are. Okay. Be your own self. Don't let people try to change you or tell you you're supposed to be a certain way. Yes. So. Which brings me to my next thing I want to talk about. Yeah. Which is Taylor Swift. Yes. (laughs) Which guys... I'll be honest. I love Taylor Swift. She's my favorite in she's everything. Great. She's just releasing. She released two albums for us last year, which did. we needed it. I, my gosh. That's what everybody needed. That's what I needed. Mm-hmm. But one of her new songs on her latest album, Evermore, was a, was inspired by Rebecca. I still haven't listened to the song, but Kelsey has. It's, it's good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be honest. I don't sound my favorite on the album. But I also love My Tears Ricochet so much on the previous one. 
Mm-hmm. And if you're a Swifty out there, you know that like her track fives are usually like her most intense mm. and like the most emotional. And so for me, my two track ashay was number five on folklore, and it was just so strong that yeah. I had to tolerate could hold up to it. But again, write to us. Tell us why I'm wrong. I want to hear this. Yeah. So anywho, her song Tolerate It was inspired by Rebecca, and she said, and this is from storyofasong.com. Mm-hmm. But speaking at the Apple Music Awards, Swift stated that she wrote Tolerate It based on a book titled Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier and felt that both her and Rebecca had a lot of similarities. Mm-hmm. When I was reading Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier, and I was thinking, wow, her husband just tolerates her. She's doing all these things and she's trying so hard and she's trying to impress him and he's just tolerating her the whole time. There was a part of me that was relating to that because at some point in my life, I felt that way. Oh. I gotta go listen to the song now. Yes, everybody listen to the song. You listen to it. Yes. It's good. And also it talks about, you know, that... I, I love that how respect. she described that, though. Sorry, I'm interrupting you because I'm just, like, brainwave, like, tolerate. Yes. Yeah, she was tolerated. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was unacceptable. She shouldn't no. have been tolerated. No. She deserved to be loved and appreciated, yes. not tolerated. Yes. And the book talks a lot about it seems like from the perspective of the person singing, she's with like an older man, which would mm-hmm. be Maxim, and that she and that he feels that she feels like he is treating her like just like a young kid, mm-hmm. and that he's just so much older and wiser. Yeah. yeah. So the book is good, guys. If you liked Rebecca, you'll like the song. If you didn't yeah. like Rebecca, you'll like the song because that's me. <laughs> If you're like me and you love classics and all things <laughs> British literature, you will love Rebecca. <laughs> so yes, I loved. I still I loved it. Say, I'm gonna be fair. Like I did. Like I didn't absolutely hate it. I've read worse. Some mm-hmm. of like the books I've read the worst are like current romance novels. Mm-hmm. Of like, huh? We're still doing that in 2020. Okay. Um. So I will say that. So I will say I didn't totally hate it. And I did like the mystery aspect. Mm-hmm. I do feel like this is a good representation of like anxiety, of depression. Yes. Of honestly, like domestically violent relationships. Mm-hmm. I think this is a good thing to read for those things because it kind of puts in a perspective. Absolutely. So, so yeah. yeah. So I would say I do not regret reading this book. Good. I'm glad you at least don't regret it because... As I said, I absolutely loved it. Didn't see the the ending even made it better for me. I think the ending is what made me love the story because I didn't see it coming. And plus, like I said, I just really related to the narrator. And I'd like to give her a name. I think she deserves a name. Yeah, what do you think her name is? I'm going to be honest. I think there's um, an argument for Kelsey spelled like mine. Ooh. Because the only thing that she says about her name is that <laughs> It's typically a boy's name, and then it's spelled different than usual. Huh. Which now I think Kelsey is more of a girl name, but in the beginning it was a boy name. Or is it Ashley? Because Ashley was also originally a boy's name. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Or Kit. I think of Kit for some reason. I could see I her like. being a Kit. Yeah. Huh. But yeah, she deserves a name. Out of all three of those, which ones do you think is more of a her? More her. We're going to name her right now. I like Kit. I like Kit, too. She seems She's like Kit. Yes. So <laughs> We named her because she deserves a name and she, she deserves, deserves love. And she, she deserves, deserves not to be tolerated. Absolutely. Same as our listeners out there. You do not deserve to be just tolerated. We love you. You're exceptional. You're all the things. Agreed. Yes. <laughs> And I do want to say again that no matter what I've said, I still respect everybody's love of this book. And if this yes. is your favorite book, I understand like and I respect it. Yeah. And I still respect you for your opinions. And I say that I was kind of concerned in the beginning talking to you because I knew you didn't enjoy it. But you did bring some good points to me today that I didn't really think about. And I'm like, yeah, I can see why I didn't like it. So thank you for that. Thank you for your opinions. Thank you for your opinion. Because Everyone deserves their own opinions. A little bit more and think about some things I didn't think about. Yes. So thank you. Absolutely. 
Well, we hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We love you all. Please tell us all the things. Tell us if you liked our name of Kit for Mrs. DeWinter. Tell me how wrong I am and how I'm viewing this book (laughs) inaccurately. Tell us all the things. If this is your favorite book, I want to hear from you. Absolutely. So be following us on Instagram, Twitter. We are on Facebook if that's your thing. Do all those things. We seriously love to hear from you. We do. Like we like we talked about Cynthia in the beginning. Super fan. We love hearing from our fans. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, from my studio, we out. Thank you so much for joining us on the Antisocial Book Club podcast. This podcast is hosted by Kelsey Krubitzer and Martana Carter with producer Jamal Carter. Please follow us on Instagram at Antisocial Book Club Podcast or find us on our website at antisocialbookclubpod.com.